July 11th. As we turn our attention now to the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 28, verses 1 through 31. Does anything in this chapter surprise you? That the natives were kind? The natives may have been superstitious, but even unsaved people can show concern for those in need. And are you surprised that Paul was bitten? I mean, had he not already been through enough suffering? When Satan cannot win as the lion, then he becomes as the serpent. And are you surprised that the Jewish leaders rejected the word? God's chosen people should have known the scripture. Yet when it was time to decide, the group was divided. But Paul kept witnessing and let God bless the word as he pleased. Well, with that... Let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 11th, Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 31. Once we, Luke, Paul, and his companions, were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us and warm us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. The people of the island saw it hanging there and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us courteously and fed us for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were cured. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people put on board all sorts of things we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there we sailed across to Regean. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up the coast to Pirioli. There we found some believers, who invited us to stay with them seven days. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the Three Taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me, and wanted to release me, for they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. 
I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted, and so I could tell you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have heard nothing against you. We have had no letters from Judea or reports from anyone who has arrived here. But we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about these Christians is that they are denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's house. He told them about the kingdom of God, and taught them about Jesus from the Scriptures, from the five books of Moses and the books of the prophets. He began lecturing in the morning and went on into the evening. Some believed and some didn't, but after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to our ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to my people, You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to realize that this salvation from God is also available to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in his own rented house. He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God with all boldness and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. There will be no cowards in heaven. I heard that over and over this week. There will be no cowards in heaven. Doesn't mean we don't get scared every once in a while, but that's not the spirit he put in us. He doesn't allow us to be cowards. That's why, like I shared last week, when I heard about the inner city and I thought, oh, I'm scared. That didn't sit well with me. I'm not supposed to be scared. So let's be fearless before the Lord. He didn't give me that spirit. It didn't sit right with me. He, he says there in Revelation 21, man, it's great. He goes, the one who conquers, the, the, the one who, who overcomes. He says, I'll be his God. He'll be my son. See, the strong ones, the ones that conquer those fears, the ones that conquer, you know, their temptations, that conquer their doubts. He says, those are my children. But then the first thing he says in verse 8, he goes, but as for the cowardly, as for the cowardly, the ones who are scared, you, you're too scared to follow me? You're too scared to name my name? That Jesus says this. Jesus says, why are you, why are you scared of people? You're scared of people? He goes, why would you fear them? I believe it's Matthew 10. He says, he says, all they can do is kill you. He goes, I can kill you and then send your soul to hell. He goes, don't you think you should fear me more? There will be no cowards in heaven. He says, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Look, I was very sad about this morning until I started reading this passage. And then I thought, you know what? 
This is a little goodbye for a short period of time on the earth. And what this passage is talking about is something that is far sadder. Okay? But I think, man, even if there's one person in this room who if you were to die today and you have never confessed Jesus, you've never really lived for him, then you're going to spend an eternity apart from God. And I just began dwelling on that because I can't imagine that. I can't imagine being apart from God forever and then in a place of torment, what this place calls, which is a, which is a lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That's not an immediate end. It's, it's this torment day and night forever and ever. It says where you'll want to die, but you're not allowed to. And, and so, so what am I going to be sad about? That I won't see some of you for, for a few years? Yes, it is sad. But the thought of any one of you... I, see, I don't want to look back on even this moment with regret. And go, man, you're all about saying goodbye and everything else. And there are people in that room that we're going to say goodbye to for eternity. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. It made all the sense in the world to tell you, man, I don't want you to die that way. I don't, I, I can't bear the thought of it ending that way. Because you held on to something that you thought was more valuable than Jesus. You thought, well, because of the way she looked or the way, you know, you guys just got along so well that suddenly that, that, that's more important than this? And this, this eternity with God? Or, or whether it was your money and your comforts and you just go, no, I don't want to just follow God. I, I, I got to keep this certain standard of living. I got to have this stuff. I want this. I want that. And you're not willing to let go. Well, whatever addiction it is, it's in your life. That God would give you, he promised he'll give you the power over those things. If you'll trust him, if you'll let go. But at some point in your life, you've got to believe that he is more valuable than all of that. That he's worth it. And he says, because, you know, it's, it's the liars, he says. The liars, they're, they're the ones that, that are in this room. Some of you are in this room where you've got us all fooled. Congratulations. You know, you seem like a Christian to us. You seem like you've surrendered your life, but you know when you go to bed at night that you haven't. And he says right there, here's your place. It's going to be in that lake of fire. There will be no cowards in heaven. And that's why I refuse to be one. Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. For the choir director, a psalm of David to be sung to the tune, Death of the Son. I will thank you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn away and retreat. They are overthrown and destroyed before you. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have wiped out their names forever. My enemies have met their doom. Their cities are perpetual ruins. 
even the memory of their uprooted cities is lost. But the Lord reigns forever. Executing judgment from His throne, He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. Sing praises to the Lord, who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds, for he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore those who cry to him for help. Proverbs 19, verses 1 through 3. It is better to be poor and honest than to be a fool and dishonest. Zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. <laughs> 